0: Uh, welcome, welcome, everyone, to another rendition of, uh, the, of The Big Picture. It's been a powerful time, hey, a powerful number of weeks. Um, and I just wonder if, um, if we're able to just start the first couple of minutes. I'd be really keen to hear what you guys have been hearing and seeing through the series on the Sunday night so far. So from looking at, looking at rest looking at the works that were finished from the foundations of the world. Is there anyone that would like to share just for 30 seconds before we get started what it is that they've been hearing and seeing through the series? Shot Danny.
1: (laughs) I see a chair. I guess it's it's just a continuation of um, of of who he is, and that you can't do it. You try and do it, even being here, you try and learn. Well, it doesn't work that way. You have to receive, and um, I guess just that utter reliance on on that, and it makes complete sense that you know if we're trusting him for our salvation to get our spirit. From one place to another, well why can't we trust him with everything else? Pretty simple. But um, yeah, that's it really.
0: Cool, thank you. Awesome. All right, well we're gonna get straight into it tonight. Um, like Greg shared this morning, the theme that we're that we're gonna be speaking to is the predestined finished plan of God that He has for us as His church. Um, his plan, His purpose that He dreamt up before we were even created or born, but that He's had in His heart for us for a long, long time. Um, and we're going to be looking at a fantastic scripture this evening, so if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Second Peter chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 16 through to 21, particularly verse 21, so feel free to turn there, and I'll just read this. To us all. So, verse 16 For we did not follow clearly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honour and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of man's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. I'll just read those last two verses again, which is what we're going to focus on tonight. It says, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Powerful verses, eh? Powerful verses. He says us know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of man's own interpretation. And like we've been talking about, God has a predestined plan for us to enter into. Says that we've been predestined to become conformed according to the image of the Son. And to me, when he says that, he's got a very specific finish in mind for us. He doesn't say that we've been predestined to a particular career. He doesn't say that we've been predestined to get married. He doesn't say that we've been predestined to have a particular spiritual gift or even a particular calling in God. He says that we've been predestined to become conformed according to the image of the Son. And what we see here in Peter is that Peter's saying that, you know, know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture, and like we heard this morning, Scripture is prophetic. These Scriptures speak of God's finished and predestined plan for us to enter into. And he says it's not a matter of man's own interpretation. You know, these verses fly so opposite to the tenor and the spirit of this age, which is that every man and his dog have their own interpretation of the Scripture. You know, we're up to about 33,000 Christian denominations. Why? Because every man has his own interpretation, not not of his own Bible, but every man has his own interpretation of what the Scripture says. You know, no cult ever started because someone wanted to throw away the Bible. Cults start because people have their own interpretation of what the prophetic word was always supposed to say. You know, I so often hear people sharing about these, you know, maybe books that they're reading or things that they're hearing and say, man, this is powerful. And it's confirmed by the scripture. They've got all the scriptures there, so it must be true. But actually, Peter's saying here, well, you can have the scripture, but scripture is not a matter of man's own interpretation. Why? Because if we don't know the purpose and the predestined plan that all of scripture was written to paint towards, we won't know the essence and the heartbeat that was supposed to lie behind the scriptures, which was always supposed to be Christ himself. And so like Peter says here in verse 16, he says, For we did not follow clearly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's he saying? He says that for me, I don't follow clearly devised tales. Knowing God wasn't something that was passed down to me from my parents. It wasn't even passed down to me from the religious teachers. I was an eyewitness of his majesty. I heard the word and at birth prophetic sight in me so that who I know and what I know didn't come just from a scripture or from man's interpretation. It came directly by divine revelation from the Holy Spirit. And this is so important because personally I think we've got a whole generation of young people, and I myself, I was so included in this growing up in the church, having been passed down doctrine, but it reaches a stage where it's like the tooth fairy and Santa Claus, you know, when you're a certain age, you hear and you, and you believe because your parents have taught you something. Now I remember my younger brother for years was convinced that he saw the Easter bunny, you know. <laughs> And that's so normal, right? It's so normal because the things that were taught they weren't they were clearly devised fables. And those fables had the illusion of truth so much so that my brother got convinced in his own mind that it was actually true. Now, what happens is as you grow up and you encounter life, just normal life, you grow out of clearly devised fables because you realize actually it's all hot air. Um, You know, Paul talks in other parts about old wives' tales, things pass from one person to another. But there reaches an age in natural life when you realise that the fables you were taught growing up about Christmas and about the tooth fairy and about the Easter bunny actually don't exist. And so if, if... But I think that the the devastating thing is that our Christianity, if it's based on clearly devised fables of something that you've heard or something that you've been taught or even something that you've read, but if you haven't been an eyewitness of his majesty, there'll come a time where that won't cut it anymore. And we're moving into more intense and more serious times. You know, you don't have to be a prophet to look around the world and see that things are starting to heat up. It's chaos out there, and for us, This is the time that the church of God needs to come of age and to no longer follow clearly devised fables about God, but to come and be eyewitnesses of his majesty, having heard and seen the prophetic scriptures, not because we've been taught them, but because we've seen him, like Paul Paul and Peter say, up on the holy mountain. We've tasted, we've seen, we've encountered, we've experienced Christ Himself, and so we're not going to be shaken when the storms of life come. We're going to stand and have our houses built on the rock. Christ Himself, hey. So it'll be awesome if here in the panel this evening we're going to unpack these scriptures and have dialogue about what is this predestined plan that we're to come to know, and not just about the plan. But how we actually come to know his plan and purposes, like, like, like Peter says, having heard and having seen firsthand Christ himself, that will be the only thing that will enable us to stand in these, in these days to come. Cool? All right. Sorry, I got a little bit carried away with the introduction, <laughs> but we will get to the panel right now. Alright, so I think we might start with verse 16, um, and we'll just take you know five minutes to unpack these, and then we'll jump into 20 and 21, which are going to be our key scriptures. It says this, For we did not follow clearly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Guys, anything that you want to share or unpack from, from those verses? Why is it so important that we are... Eyewitnesses not just with our physical eyes but true witnesses of Christ. Why is that so important
2: Amen <laughs> <laughs> After that download, it left a bit like a stunned mullet because <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> but uh, it, uh like it, it's it's my own living testimony you know and you you can't I can't eat for you. And you can't live my testimony, you know and it becomes like i can't live peter's testimony. it has to become my own experience you know and in in one Peter he says, that, you know though you haven't seen him, you love him though you have don't hear him, you believe in him so this is a a particular account in two peter that peter's um, relaying to them about something that happened to him Why he can tell you Is not some wives' tale Not just something that was passed down to me I'm telling you the way it is So that you can actually come into that same revelation That I received Not just by the fact that I've seen it But I experience it and, and clearly if you're reading the, in 1 Peter These people also experience this This work that happens in, inside Not outside
3: We're called to be witnesses, aren't we? Go into the world and be a witness. So how do you witness? What does a witness do? A witness a witness gives testimony of what they've seen. So part of this entire big picture is we are called to be witnesses of who we know, what we know. Well, we need to be an eyewitness if we're going to be a witness. Can I get a witness? It's going to, <laughs> it's going to my head. <laughs> But this is part of our identity So unless you're an eyewitness How can you fulfill What it means to be a witness You'll give witness to something That you might not even really know about And it's a witness For the entirety of the purposes of God It's not just a witness that shares You need to get saved From going to a place called hell Let me share with you as a witness About the kingdom of God Past, present, future And the entirety so we need to be eyewitnesses because we need to be witnesses.
0: That's right. And I just think in a court of law, if someone is a if someone is brought as a witness, they're they're brought as a witness because they've seen and or they've they've either heard or seen something, eh? And what makes them what makes them true or false is not actually the content of what they're saying, it's whether or not they've seen. Does that make sense? If someone if someone goes in a court of law and testifies even about something that's true but they haven't seen it, they're a false they're a false witness. You can't trust their testimony because they might have they might testify about they might share about something that's factually correct, but if they haven't seen it, they're actually not in a position to be a true witness. Hey, and we need to be true witnesses to. You know, to the world and to those around us, you know, people who don't just pass on one scripture to another, but people who who have seen and heard and are able to share living testimony of the person that they've come to know. You know, I've got a,
2: a good um, experience of that, and it was an, effectively in a, a court, and I was called as a witness not not so much about what I'd seen, although I had seen so I did know. But it was if you take the information as scripture. Now it was, it's not about the Bible, but if you take it as, as scripture, so there was information that was written down. Now for the person that was arguing against this, they had all that information, but they had no living experience of the application of that information. On the other hand, I'd been called as a witness because it was a technical expert, but because I had a, a living experience of that information, it wasn't just information on the page, it had become applied knowledge, it was something that I'd actually it experienced and it was just part of me. And so when it came to this this hearing, the, the person who had the information and the and unfortunately for them it was in front of of i guess of my peers people who also had this information when this the um if you like the opposition was speaking those in the room what that just doesn't make sense and i was able to speak and articulate clearly not just the words on the page but what they actually meant and how they applied Right up until the very end, when the person made this um, off the cuff comment about how how wrong I was, just dug an enormous hole and dove into it in front of everybody, and didn't even realise what they'd done. And so it becomes this. It, it, no matter what this other person said, it didn't change. It didn't couldn't shake the confidence that I had because I know, I knew. There was nothing that was going to shift that. And I take that into this same experience. The the times where I've 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 lived by a written knowledge, but it wasn't moving me or shifting me. It was going to take something much greater. And I thank God that He brought us here to this house to hear His word and to be able to be in a in a, a position where I could posture myself to recognize Man. I've got a lot of information but I haven't got this experience of you or this witness of you that's in and you know, when you look at the at the um at the first part of this he talks about having knowledge and then he talks about having true knowledge and coming into this experience of a true knowledge is what's changing me.
3: What's also interesting is this is Peter after his great demise you know. so he's now speaking from a reality he's now in and yet when it was spoken to him he wasn't in the reality he's now in and so he's actually looking back and now speaking going oh I recognise myself that I actually didn't really hear him the way I needed to hear him when he said it I heard him like you're hearing me now But are you hearing what is being said? And it's fascinating because it's an utterance from heaven. So it's a divine word, a rhema, that needs to be heard via revelation, not information. So Peter heard the information when he actually heard this word on the Mount of Transfiguration, didn't he? Because while Peter was still yapping, God spoke. He wasn't very quick to hear. He was very quick to speak, Peter. And so he's speaking from hindsight. He now has a knowledge and he's looking back, which I find fascinating because we can learn so much from Peter. And so it's a hearing before it's a seeing, you know, because as we know, God spoke directly, and the very next day, because you have information, you end up getting in front of Jesus and actually being a stumbling block. So information doesn't empower you to live the life of Christ. Information can actually get in the way of you living that out. That's the danger of it. It has to be revelation, which comes through hearing the rhema, the divine utterances of heaven, which Peter also says in 1 Peter uh, 4.11, that these utterances of heaven, if you're going to speak, you're to be one who speaks the utterances of heaven, which is the rhema word, the living word, not the informational word, the technical word. That's still fine, but you need to be speaking a rhema, a living word, because that's the word that when heard and received and understood Opens up this. You see, I find this is awesome because he's saying we had it, but actually, when it spoke it, we didn't hear it. He went through his demise. He gets filled with this revelation. Now, what he heard makes perfect sense after the event.
0: And it's in, it's interesting that he says, you know, as an eyewitness of his Majesty, but at the time, like he said, he was a physical eyewitness, and he heard with his physical ears, you know. But even seeing Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration in his glorified state and seeing, was it Moses and Elijah with him, you know, even that wasn't enough that when he had the opportunity to show Christ that he was with him to his death, he denied him, you know. And so we need to be eyewitnesses, but it's not with our physical eyes, you know. And we need to be able to hear, but it's not with our physical parting is you know we need to be able to hear and see with you know from the from the spirit a eh? you know and I think to me that's why it's so interesting you know it could be it's so easy to say man if Jesus was here physically and if I just saw him up on the mountain and man what would it be like to be there and witness his actual resurrection and to touch his hands and to put my fingers into and uh, you know, into the the holes where his hands were pierced, if man that I, that would be enough, you know, I would be living for God, but actually, here we see that that even that was not enough for Peter, you know, and it wasn 't enough in the scene. I think we talked about it a week re- recently with Lazarus and the rich man, you know he says that even if someone raised from the dead in front of your eyes, you still wouldn 't believe why. Because we need to be eyewitnesses of his majesty, not with our physical eyes, but with the eyes of our heart, you know? Hearing and receiving a spiritual word, you know? And and Jesus says, it's to your benefit that I physically go away, because if I don't, the Holy Spirit won't come, and it's actually him that's going to bring you into all truth, you know? And so I think, to me, that's what's so incredible about Paul, you know, is that Paul— was not a, a physical eyewitness necessarily of the resurrection. He didn't have the luxury of walking with Jesus like the other apostles did for for three years. But he received revelation and he received sight spiritually that empowered and changed the way that he lived, hey so
3: I just love just one little thing before you flick over but is that Peter has learnt. So it's Peter that writes, verses 20 to 21, because he now knows. You understand what I'm saying? He now has the reality that, oh, guys, hey, guess what? First of all, no prophecy of Scripture is about your own interpretation. How do I know that? Because of the encounter I had on the mountain back here. I've actually come into truth that set me free, so now I write it. So if I don't come into the living reality that Paul has learnt and understood through Revelation, I'm still outside of that. So everyone writing is writing from actually Revelation. Hence God allows it to be in God's prophetic book. So you have to pass this by God, don't you? Man didn't just come up with it. It had to go through the author. The author speaks. Man writes. Is that what you said? Yep, pass So the Holy Spirit is the one who needs to interpret This spiritual word We look at this and go, These are, this is English And then we go, oh, well, what version do you want, Sam? The easiest one to understand Eh, There's a mistake right there Because it's concealed And you need a key Open this sucker up. He has a name. Okay, So Peter has learnt. He's come to the Christ, come to me and learn from me. So then I write the way of heaven. Church, know this. First of all, you cannot understand what you're about to hear in your mind. You cannot grasp this just like me. meaning Peter. So I share my testimony to make you aware of the way of heaven because I didn't know it. Hearing? Brings you into oneness,
0: eh? I think that's a good segue to to verse 19, you know, because it says, so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. I find it interesting in verse 19, you know, he says, to which he talks about this prophetic word and he says to which you do well to pay attention as as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts you know and to me you know he 's got this picture of you know the um, the day dawning um, and the morning star arising in your heart you know and I have this uh, it, you know it just paints the picture of you know, the star coming up from from the horizon that previously you didn't see, you know, and he's saying, guys, it's it's okay if you don't see and hear spiritually, but do it'll do you well to listen and pay attention as to a light shining in a dark place until you are an eyewitness of his majesty in the same way that I have been, you know. It'll do you well, listen, pay attention, don't write it off, don't think that you've got it, wait, posture yourself until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. Until you see and experience what I've seen and experienced through Revelation, because it's for you. It's not just for you to to follow clearly devised Fables, it's for the the morning star to arise in your heart, you know. So that brings us to our key scriptures for this evening. But know this first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Guys, why is it so important that we don't have our own interpretation of God's prophetic purposes and plans,
2: his prophetic word, his prophetic scriptures? We'll go off course, and it'll, and we'll put his name on it. You know, just jumping back just a bit where he talks about these. Um, so we have this uh, prophetic word made more sure. And you know, I just I couldn't get past this. He's talking about this encounter where he sees Jesus glorified, and the guys with him, and he hears the word of God who's giving testimony to a prophecy that was given centuries earlier. And he says, behold, the virgin will be pregnant and a son will be given. And so now God's declaring that prophecy has come to pass. And yet these guys had seen it, they knew the scriptures. But they completely missed it, which is what I know has been my experience in reading these um. The scriptures, reading the words, going intellectually, oh yeah, that makes sense, oh yeah, oh yeah put all that together. But there's something that's missing that, that brings the power of a transformation of those words. Jesus said it himself in, um, in uh, John's Gospel, he said, the Father who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen him, or well, Peter just did. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him who sent me. Man, when I read that this afternoon, I, I just about fell off the couch. It was, I thought, I don't feel it even now. I said, God, I feel like i just swallowed something. And it's this word you do, you can't understand because you don't have this word abiding in you. And then he goes on, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. But something needs to actually engage and activate that's going to be that word that you've just eaten and becomes alive within you, which is what he's saying. That first of all, you've got to understand that the scripture, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. You can't even interpret it because it wasn't from man to start with. No prophecy was ever made by an act of the human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit. So the same Holy Spirit that actually moved the man to write these words in this prophecy that the Son would come activated that word. So the Son does come and then the, the majesty of glory declares that prophetic word. And the testimony of Jesus Christ is a spirit of prophecy declaring Jesus Christ is alive. That same spirit is the same spirit that actually takes that word and makes it alive within me. And so long as I engage my brain and try and figure this out and put the Holy Spirit to the side, I miss, I despise the prophetic utterance that is given by God and by the Holy Spirit to actually do a work within me. And I become the stumbling block of my own growth. So there has to come this confrontation because the very next heading of what carries on after this is a bit of a shake-up and a wake-up because I could, oh my, my Lord, could that be me, a false prophet? Because I'm speaking something from here, but it's not a living testimony of, of a revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit that actually birthed this to life.
0: Totally, and I and I think you know. So it's this is so key, particularly in the context of the big picture that that we're looking at. You know, um, you know that that no prophecy of Scripture is a is a matter of man's own or one's own interpretation. You know, is that like that God has a predestined plan in mind for us as the church. That we coming into this earth, when we're, when we're physically born, like we heard this morning, being born into Adam, we're born disconnected from God and not knowing God's intention for us as his people. You know, And so I think in, in not knowing that, we need to be awakened and enlightened to who God has prophesied and predestined us to become. If we're not, we will have our own interpretation of who God has called us to be. Oh, I'm a I'm a music leader. I'm just a teacher. I'm a policy analyst, you know, and all of these things which are absolutely right and God and may have even been received by a prophetic word. You know, I think Paul and Timothy are, are talking and and Paul saying, "Hey, stir up the spiritual gift." Among you you know he's he 's absolutely into these things, and these things which are even potential you know come through the laying on of hands and people are prophesying what an earthly natural calling might be are all right and good, but ultimately peter's not talking about that here he 's talking about god 's prophetic plan for us as his people, and so to me this this thing is so key that we must see who god has predestined us to be so that we don't sell ourselves short living for an inferior calling as right and good as it might be you know and that we don't substitute something that is good and right in god for what his ultimate eternal purpose is you know and so if we if we if we don't see what his purpose is for us we will read and interpret Scripture and apply it to our own lives. Not, isn't that not what you've been taught? I mean, that's certainly what I was taught growing up, is that we need to apply the Scripture to our lives. And you read a, you know, wake up in the morning and you read a devotional about how these individual Scriptures plucked from here, there, and everywhere relate to your life. But what about the Scriptures being prophetic about His purpose and the life that He has for you? and that you receive his eternal purpose for you, and that you your life becomes hidden in his life, and that you die, let go of you, and enter into the life that he predestined for you. All of a sudden, you no longer are inter- interpreting the scriptures as to how they relate to your life. You're defining your life through who he's called you to be and the prophetic plans that he has for his body not even you not even your role in the body firstly but his plan and so all of a sudden that i personally i think the scriptures actually come to life when it doesn't become about you anymore right. you know Like all of a sudden, it is like a breath of fresh air. Oh my goodness, the world does not revolve around me. (laughs) It's like for the first time, you, you, you stop being so anxious about you and life being about you and everything around you defining who you are and how you're doing and how you're living because life is no longer about you anymore. It's about him. It's about his purposes. It's about his... Eternal life being formed in you so that you can demonstrate and radiate His glory on the earth. You know, it says that all of creation, this is in Ephesians 3, it says that essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but that all of creation was created so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And He says that this was in accordance to the eternal purpose that He had us as the body, that all of creation was for a purpose, that the multifaceted, the manifold wisdom, the life, the the, the, the eternal substance of Christ himself would be formed in the church and that this would make a demonstration to to a heavenly realm in accordance with God's eternal purpose. What does that have to do with you and your life and the things that you're consumed with? You know? To me, this, it didn't say that all of creation was created for your calling and for your destiny and for your individual purpose. It says that all of creation was created for his purpose, that you've got the luxury and the privilege of being part of if you die and your life is hidden with Christ and God no longer living for you, thanks, mate, but living for him. And to me, it's, it's an absolutely different position whether you have died and your life is hidden in Christ with God, or whether you're still alive and you're interpreting Scripture and everything that goes on around you as being about you and your life and even your life in God. And so we need to, to die to that and to, and to live to Him, you know, that we wouldn't have Scripture being a matter of our own interpretation and how it relates to us and our little lives now, but being caught up in a much Bigger picture and purpose that he has for us being consumed and hidden in in him.
3: Question: Was that the utterance of heaven? You all agree? Okay. Did you hear it as the utterance of heaven? So then you can live differently because it's about living differently, yeah. So if we're not living and demonstrating what was just uttered, you don't know it. What we've done is we've mentally agreed, gone yes. Yes, we believe that's true. And we walk out that door and live completely different to what we just said. Because you can't live that out until you hear prophetically in power what was just released into the earth. Then hearing's not enough. You have to understand it. So now the Holy Spirit has to renew your mind so you actually come into the reality of what was just declared. Outside of that, you'll be the same. Okay. So heaven just released through Sam, the way of heaven. But unless it's heard, prophetic utterance needs to be heard first, then understood, it falls to the ground. So we may leave hearing it going, I've got a joy in me. But we don't take it any further. Then when opposition comes through the word, nothing. Or the riches of life, the worries of life, the life we're about to go into right now and tomorrow, choke. And that never becomes your and my reality. Because what I just heard is two operating systems, two ways of being. One's earthly, one's eternal One's temporal, one's eternal One's from heaven, the other one's from earth One's of oneness, one's of two And only when you hear and are in that Can you actually make sense Of how your life on earth fits into that Outside of that, you're still in this temporal life Trying to cram the eternal into you Rather than you into him And so you're short of the reality. It's still waiting. It's still prophetic in nature. So God continues to speak, continues to speak. The same thing goes out. The same thing goes out. The same word goes out until when? We hear and understand. And now the prophetic word is no longer prophetic. It's no longer the future. It's your reality. But there's more. So the entirety is to come into the entire prophetic utterances of God which have been written down. How many promises are there in Christ that are yes and amen? Not yes, no, maybe. Is God a liar? Is he unchangeable? Everything he says is, yeah? See how... this is beautiful because this happens every weekend. Do you know that? Like What we're talking about happens every time it's preached. And when you've been made aware of that, all of a sudden you are repositioned. You're like, shum, locked on. No longer what's happening over there, over here. I'm locked on. Why? Because I heard a word, understood it, And it literally turned me. And I'm aware of what I haven't been aware of. And when you get made aware of what you weren't aware of, you're now aware you're not aware of things. (laughs) And you have a hunger for what you have no idea about. But you're waiting for the one who God sends to speak a prophetic revelation utterance and you're hanging on every word. That's how we should come. When the body of Christ gathers... Whether that's one-on-one with God, whether it's one-on-one with a brother or a sister, whether it's one in 12, when it's one in 500, that's the level of expectation, the state of expectation the early church came with because they understood how powerful the eternal word was. How can you and I live an eternal life if we eat temporal food? can. You have to realize, like Sam said, before you ever turned up, you were eternal. Your life was hidden in the eternal one, yes? Which means your life was concealed from you, just like he is concealed from you. So when you and I were born, the true who we were was concealed from us. Can you hear that? So you have to figure out who you are, don't you? It's not who your mum and dad said you are. It's not who you think you are. Good catch. Can you hear? You're not who you think you are. You have to discover who you were concealed before. So just like Christ is concealed, you are concealed in Christ. So as he starts to reveal himself, because that's number one, you start to figure out who you are, and you go back to being hidden in Christ which is where you started in Christ Ephesians 1 verse 4 and 5 it says this you believe me it's in your notes it literally says that you were born in Christ predestined in Christ so you're concealed from you so to not figure all this out is to live in what not the new created life Do you reckon not sure it's a real yes. It's a, oh my god, he's going on about that again. <laughs> I think that laughter's cuz it's true.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's look it's it's a powerful word that's actually being declared in a powerful way that is being declared. And I you know I just heard something in the spirit about those about the seeds, and I would suggest I'm not on my own in this, that that parable has often been spoken and seen about salvation, that the word's gone out for people to get saved. Well, that may be the case, but that's start, that, that parable is a continuing living example of how we're growing. So when the word of the kingdom goes out, Though I've been saved and, and I hear that word, it says, you know, the thirty, sixty, hundredfold. fold, the 100, those who have received it, those who are not choked out, starved or dried up, are those who heard, who received the word and understood, which is what Greg was saying. And and here we're, we're hearing this, well, I understand, no you don't. Yes, I can put the word set, no you don't. But I can I can memorize, no you don't. I can say it backwards even, no you don't. I know it in Greek and Hebrew, oldie. Ancient Greek and Hebrew, no you don't. It's knowledge, but it's not true knowledge. It's not revealed, it's not experiential within you that is, comes from something outside of you. It's a power that the Holy Spirit brings within you. So the question is, if I've heard this tonight, what will my response be? Will I go, Holy Spirit, you teach me. Father, you say that you give Holy Spirit to teach me then here I am, teach me. Because here's a golden opportunity that something has been delivered out for us to be able to go, wow, I I heard that. I'm sort of grasping it, but I need you. I need something that's a divine utterance that's not of me or my making. It's got to come from you. And I see it not only as a word declared, but as a life lived because I just... Greg's been talking about how the power of God comes, who writes on the tablets, but he's writing here so that not just thou shalt not, L-O-V-E, love engraved in you, that you now become a letter, a letter declaring who Christ is. You're the letter because the letter's engraved into you. Oh, Holy Spirit, come do the work that I can't do and I must submit to you. Help me get out of the way. Do we have any any questions for the panel before we
0: break into groups? I'm quite comfortable with it being a little bit awkward. (laughs) Surely there's a question, you know? After all of that, surely there's a question or a comment even. Taking one for the team.
4: About What God was telling them to share with the people, and then they and then it said they were cut to the heart or pierced to the heart, and then they said, um, What do we need to do? and they said, um, Repent and be baptized. And when you were talking about that, then it was like that whole word cut to the heart or pierced to the heart, it's like that's the work of the Spirit, when you hear something, and even if you don't necessarily understand it in the moment that you're hearing, there's something that is happening where you know that the Spirit is wanting to get in somewhere that perhaps you haven't allowed him to get in to before, and so then it's like, like you were just saying, it's not then something you can do, but you know that that is actually the power that the spirit has to cut to the heart. but but it's like what you were saying about the seed or the, you know when the seed the kingdom seed comes, if our heart isn't receptive to that seed, then it can be really hard for that. See, to get into cutting to the heart because it's not been softened, and so yeah, I mean, what, what we are hearing is obviously um, challenging and weighty, but there's this beautiful part to it where it's the spirit that does the work, and the spirit can cut into any one of our hearts if we are receptive to what he's saying.
3: Can I ask everyone a question and it's related to what Melissa has said? How many of us find it frustrating you get angry the fact that you can't enter into this without the Holy Spirit? Thanks, Donald. It's good. Good. Cool. How many of us get Angry And frustrated That you can't heal someone You can't raise someone from the dead So you get really upset and angry over that fact That you can't Okay That's not the way I thought it was going to go I thought we were going to go No I don't get angry at The fact that I can't raise someone from the dead Because I'm fully aware of I need power to do that that I don't have. And I was going to ask you, so why we get so frustrated over not being able to change our own mindsets when don't we need God for both? See, we, we go, why can't I learn this? But it, oh yeah, I know I can't hear anybody. I know I can't raise the dead without God. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? I need the power to raise someone from the ground. I can't do that. And so when it doesn't happen, I don't get... Upset, pissed off, want to throw the towel in But I do when it comes to trying to actually learn this And that's the evidence that actually we're still not in rest Okay, I had this revenue, she won't mind me sharing this She shared this this morning, it was so profound She said, you know what Greg? When you were speaking last week, the Holy Spirit said to me, I've been predestined to enter into rest so I can stop being Martha. You were talking about predestined, predestined, predestined. I'm going, yeah, yeah. And then he said, but you've been predestined to enter into rest. Hebrews 4.10, for the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. That is just not stop doing physical works. That is you stop trying from function as your number one to enter into something you can't. So just like you can't raise anyone, you can't save yourself. You can't change you and you can't teach you. And when you enter into rest, it's not stop trying and you get rest. It's enter into rest and you'll stop trying. See, it's not so much, oh my goodness, we're going to go off course by not knowing who we are. It's we won't actually come into the life. I won't know who I am if I don't know this prophetic word. Not, oh my goodness, I'm going to be bad and lead people astray. See, it's all promise. It's all positive. None of it's negative. None of this stuff is negative. It is all positive. Because he knows we start, although predestined in him, we've fallen out of him, have we not, Spiritually. And he's trying to get us back to the start. Well, isn't that positive? Like if you were going the wrong way, wouldn't you want someone to help you point you the right way so you don't waste time, energy, resource? So why don't we see it like that a lot of the time? Why do we see it through the negative? Oh my goodness, he wants more of this and more of that and da 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 da. da. And you have to ask yourself why If that's your heart response Why you hear it and see it like that Because it's for you And if we stay like that We sabotage who we've actually been called to be So I hope that encourages you Yes
5: I think for me And I'll just share personally. I think for me, the reason why, so you're asking the reason why do we stay out of it, it's because it's one of those should things that this is actually simple and I should be getting this by now or I should be coming into more or I should. And so the frustration comes when I'm not and I can't And ultimately, it's because I want to make it happen myself and I want to stay in control and I should be able to make this happen. All of that is not the right place to be, but that's the answer of of why for me.
3: The I still living, is that what you're saying? So, so, so if I is still living, and one knows I is still living, what does I need to do? No, because I can't die. Okay, so if you know you're not the answer, who's the answer? Right, so, okay.
5: The reality is, we know the answer. Yep. It doesn't want. It doesn't actually bring us to our knees enough right. to repent.
3: Right, you have
5: to want to repent. Correct. And if you don't want to repent, you stay in the place of stubbornness.
3: Absolutely. I wouldn't be cheering. Okay, it is. It's a yuck it's,
5: place. It's I'm a place you right of now. death.
3: Okay. <laughs> But you do know the one who can set you free, do you not? But you don't want to go to him because you actually want to live. And so you're stuck between a rock and a hard place because you can't change you and you want to enter in, but you can't. Welcome to receiving the reality of the gospel, the true gospel that you must need to get yourself free, not just saying yes to words on a page. Okay? So you know you've got to receive the real gospel This is everything we're talking about Not raised up with Christianity Not raised up in churches that go Hallelujah, praise the Lord, do all this stuff And actually can't live the life Because like what Sam said It doesn't matter if your mum and dad are pastors It doesn't matter if you're married to a pastor or an apostle It doesn't matter if your kids are It's all irrelevant Unless you receive the true Jesus Christ not words about him and so you're stuck and it's hell i agree but to
0: me th- th- there needs to be that tension right you know it needs to be that dramatically confronting that almost like forces you out of your inability and thrusts you into him you know cuz to like to to the point of repentance you know cuz to me that the, the, the the alternative is that you you hear and think you hear, but you don 't hear and you ask questions you know and, and and you're responsibly things like so how so, how do I live this how do I live this life that i 'm hearing about when i 've got a wife and children and a job? how do I now Live what I've been. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, yeah. as opposed to you're confronted with your absolute inability, and it's so deeply frustrating that you finally
3: let go. Here's the other option. You need the freedom to go. See you later. I'm out of here. God's cool with that. Okay. You know, yeah, this is this is awesome. Thanks, mate. See, this is what this is. You're getting a, a shot at. Our marriage for the video wives.
0: he's speaking to his wife.
3: <laughs> you're getting to see what God is doing here in a couple who are in covenant, okay. And you're getting what you're hearing is frustration, <sighs> okay. And Danny needs the absolute freedom to be able to walk completely away if she wants, because whose is she? His. And you need the choice to go, "I can't be bothered, I'm out of here, I'm going to play golf." And you have that freedom here, because you need that freedom. you need the freedom to walk away, and you need the freedom to walk too. You know the but most the frust-
4: tormenting thing is that something inside of me doesn't want to. I know it's, it's-, it's rooted in performance and pride and yeah yeah, I,
3: I know. This is the tension, isn't it? The most frustrated person is the Christian who wants to walk away and no, they can't. But they don't want to walk into. You know? This is how evil we are. You don't want it, but you want it, but you don't really want it. And you want it on your terms. But you don't get any life from that. And you have to get to the end where you scream. I am so sick. I'm tired of this and I can't. And he goes, now that's a heart cry, not a head cry. Because I respond to the heart of man, not the head of man. Now you're getting serious. You've been playing in your forms of godliness your whole lives. But I've been forever present waiting for this level of repentance because the heart gets pierced. And when your heart gets pierced, the natural response is to say, what do I now do? And he says, get baptized and repent. You go, yes and amen. Why? Because you made a decision? No. Because you've got power that enters into you, that pierces your heart and heart. And now you've got the power to go, yes and amen. It's not, none of us are special. None of us have found this because God has extra favour on Sam that he has on Chris Logan. It's all about your heart and where your heart really is. And God's covering the entirety of it so he can uncover you. You can be completely naked like that in front of your own peers and God. Without the fear of, oh my goodness, did you hear what the senior leader's wife just said? They were having an argument right in the middle of the thing called the church. You're not supposed to do that. She's supposed to play the piano and sing and do all the nice with all the kids.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I don't like them without firing them, I'm telling you. <laughs>
2: that, that, oh, thank, <laughs> you thank you for bringing us into your date night. <laughs> But that is a snapshot. It's a snapshot. If we've got eyes to see and ears to hear, and if you're ready to receive this, that is a snapshot of the church. And we are fooling ourselves, not God, ourselves, if we think that we're anything different than this. That unless this word penetrates, pierces our heart, to the point of repentance is not turning from sin, because you'll turn from one sin to another. You'll spend all your Christian life. Christians make the most miserable sinners, <laughs> you know, because I'll turn from one sin to the next. Repentance is not about that. Repentance is turning into Him, and when I've turned into Him, I don't have a taste for any of that. But that can only happen by a divine power, which will come when I get to that point. That I I remember being on the going to the beach. Ah! Oh, you don't even care about me. I'm <laughs> just letting rip. And I, I used some flavorful language. <laughs> I might have even said, bother. Oh, bother. And <laughs> I, I might have out. <laughs> I might have even gone as far as saying, oh, golly gosh. <laughs> I was exposed my heart before the Father who made me and finally what Greg was saying I experienced in you and he said finally you've stopped making me like the tooth fairy and Santa Claus and some sort of godly thing that's there and now you're treating me like a person and I see that mask fallen and now I can work with you and I'll work in your heart. And a power comes in because pride is out of the way. And a total smashing has to come. You've got to fall on that rock and be totally shattered in order for that work of the Holy Spirit to come. And now he says, What will we do? Believe. Believe. It comes, he keeps coming back saying, Believe. You don't have this word in because you did not believe. Father, help me. Holy Spirit, work in me. And I, what I don't know by sight, I'm going to trust you. I know you have stepped into this world and you love me because you died for me and you rose again to give me life. Then I'm going to find you. I'm going to pursue you and you do this work in me. I don't want to muck around. If we're a church that's going to continue to just muck around and go, oh yeah, we'll come to church. Oh yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sing songs. Awesome. We want to be his church, not an organization. Where he builds us and we you know, there was a there was a pretty divine thing that happened in the worship here earlier on. I don't know if you sensed it, but I know the power of the Holy Spirit was here. Raising up a people, well, it's not just to sing songs. It's actually to lift us into, as we started this whole evening, that we're conformed into his image, that we become the true sons of God that walk in the same manner as him, but that can only happen with me out of the way. So our encouragement, our prayer continually is for this openness and brokenness, and for the ears of our heart open to receive that word for a divine work and a divine power in us
1: oh, just just going way back when you said, you know I, I know the answer, I know the answer because I wants to live, and is it an interesting that you can't kill yourself right Paul said, "I have been crucified, so somebody had to crucify." It's our example. Somebody has to kill us. And we scream and fight to the cross. And it's not until we say we've let go that now we can be killed on the cross. And then we're not in that position anymore. Then we're dead. And then the will gets enacted and we receive the inheritance, which is the resurrected life. But I don't want to die.
3: And that, that's why Paul. If you If there's any particular person you want to go look at their life, look at Paul. okay he is the greatest and look at his process and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the man's process. So great grab imitate me which is just directly out of here. grab this and go and ask the Spirit of God to show you how he went from Saul to Paul okay? Because he is the church. Don't think, oh Saul, that's not you. You are Saul and you are Paul. Saul, Paul, was Paul not predestined in Christ before he was ever born? How did he enter life? As Saul, flesh. He was predestined. He was from Israel. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a scholar of scholars as the flesh. So how does a man who was brought up in a form of godliness, who's brought up with Judaism but not in Christ, but a man who was predestined in Christ before the foundations of the earth, how does he get back to that guy? He tells you through his letters. But you'll never see it unless the Holy Spirit shows you. And that's what every single one of us need. Hence Paul said, imitate me. But you can't unless you imitate the way in which he came into. So Danny just said it. I have been crucified with Christ. Did he get up on a cross? Who crucified him? Nope. Who entered into Paul? Christ himself. Is that the spirit? Yeah, but no, isn't it? It's Christ. So when you cried out to heaven, did Jesus Christ enter you and you got crucified your flesh? Or did you just say yes to words? So although you're covered by blood, you never got crucified on your inner realm. Because the power of heaven never entered your inner realm and crucified you and you no longer live. See, all in that one statement, he says, I've been crucified with Christ, I no longer live. It's not I got crucified and but. That's us. So if you get crucified by receiving Jesus Christ in you, you no longer live. So we have to go back and start at the gospel we received. And if you have eyes and ears to see what he's saying, he tells you. What's he doing? He's confessing and testifying to the work that Jesus has done in him and he says, right, now imitate this. You and I can never go through what Paul went through if we don't have his process. He's not writing an intellectual book. He's testifying to the way of heaven. You've Got to get crucified. But I have, then live. Maybe I haven't. You're covered. Hear the difference? You're covered. Is that a celebration or is that a bummer? Oh, what a bummer. Oh, I only got covered. I only got the covered deal. Hello, there are people that aren't even covered. See, which, you know what I mean? This is this thing, hey, it's still in us. Oh, what a bummer that is. I only got the, you got the teacher again. I want the teacher again mine, mine. It's like, come on, man, you're covered. There are plenty of people who have no idea. But we like to think we've arrived. We don't mind everyone else feeling the tension, eh? We don't mind putting the boot into the lost. (laughs) But don't do it over this side of the fence. When you realise it's one process and it's not two, it's one from loss to being completely found and matured, and you realize you're actually no different to those guys, and by the grace of God, you never judge self-righteously, because it's you. Loving your neighbor as yourself, what does that look like when you realize that's me? So if I'm the lost th- sinner caught up in sin, how can I ever self-righteously judge that person when I most love my neighbor as if it's me? You can't unless you've been crucified You will be self-righteous I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this Look at it You're the Pharisee No I'm not You're the Pharisee spirit, it's a blind spirit Here's the difference between that Pharisee And this Pharisee is they're not covered And you are but you don't know you're really covered You don't know the love of God So you need to know the love of God So you need to get crucified through power it is all about power, and I hear the heart cry of my wife, and I understand why it's so frustrating. Why do you think I didn't want to be a Christian? I didn't want to be a Christian. God came to me at 19, signs and wonders, miracles, all that. I'm not interested in being a Christian. I don't want to. Thanks for getting me out the jam, but I, can you hear what I'm saying? Don't want to. So I'm going to live. And that came crashing down at 29. Not because I chose God, because I ran out of me. I'm evil. You're evil in the old nature. I did not want God. I wanted him to help me. I'm selfish, self centered, but I didn't want him. What I got, I never asked for. It wasn't a fair deal. I don't even want to be here doing this. Can we be this real? Now I do But only because of God Greg would be somewhere else Living for Greg Better things to do Yeah So you've got to come to the end of you That's the only way And you can't Unless you start crying out for power To kill you Because I still exist And see you preach this stuff And people go see you later Because it's offensive No, it's the way of life, it's the way of truth It's what the people need to hear Not this other stuff painted up as the gospel But all it does is tickle the eels Eels (laughs) Those two Tickles ears and your flesh And it keeps you living Doesn't it? Because if I'm afraid of you I keep my mouth shut This does not put bums on seats And this does not put money in the bucket And when it's still about me You don't say it But when you're about him And you know that this isn't the church And bums on seats isn't it This is the institution And when you want to see God build people You have to preach them the truth Because you're set free from the people And you love the people Because you've died And you can And that's where the freedom is And everyone then has the opportunity to receive And you understand why love has to cover Because if love's not covering, and if you're not going to cover us, then we'll all just rip each other apart. And that's what the church has done for centuries. Oh my goodness, did you hear what she said? They might need (laughs) counselling. It's okay, we've got the (laughs) counsellor. The end.
0: (laughs) Mic drop, eh? Mic drop.
3: If you don't see me next week.
4: <laughs> You're off playing golf. I was going to say,
0: be out on another date with his wife, you know. Didn't Either make that'll it back from the funeral. Yeah, didn't make it back from the last one, you know. Sweet. Cool. All right. I actually think that's enough for tonight. Um, in a good sense, you know.
3: Unless there are any questions about anything you've just heard. Any other Me and Danielle, questions? how it all works. We're on a roll, eh, hey, baby? Might as well. No, but thank
0: you, Danny. For sh- honestly, it takes real guts, you know, to, to share and be real. So thank you for for doing that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I was gonna say, when does this guy not have something to say? Hey, you
6: um, know, shot guys. Um, there was something that Greg you said just on the tail nip of. Um, oh, I was probably about three conversations ago, and then Paul <laughs> spoke after you. And, and I just want to go back to like Luke twenty four. Just thinking of um, when Mary and Joanna they went to the tomb, and this is just this is just what I'm hearing. And it's that they went to this frustration, this angst, this like, and it's like they go to the tomb and they're looking for the body. They've prepared all these spices. You needed something like 70 kgs of spices. This is a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of preparation. They're going there sincerely like oh we're gonna do this for Christ we're gonna and he's already told them and it's like what I'm getting is the urgency of the importance of the weight of what's being said is like this is this is so beautifully weighted like this is I already told you guys I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to come back from the dead, and it's like, no, no, it's all right. We're just going to keep going where we're going. We're going to get, you know, the the spices, and, and you're dead, and we're going to. Oh, there's no body, and then it says they were perplexed. They, they were perplexed, and it's like, man, you, you we've got this angst, and it's like, oh, where's the body? But he just he told he told us where the body was going to be. Not there. <laughs> and, and this is what I'm hearing, This especially from just, I can't remember how many conversations, I have to go back to the recording, but Paul, you were talking about this, like this, oh, like angst on the beach, and it's like, and it's like, almost like throwing rocks at heaven. And it's like, oh, God, do this. And it's like, if we don't, if we don't, what we're going to be is we're going to be going to the tomb where there's no body. And we're gonna, and we're just gonna miss it. We're just, and and then we're not hearing, and and we're spending money, we're spending time, we're just, we come, and actually we're just wasting time. That's actually that's That's actually what we're doing: wasting time. We come here, and the body's not there, and we're perplexed, and we're we've got this angst, and nothing's being achieved, and it's like I told you that I would resurrect after, after. Come on, and it's like, are, are, we, are we? And and it's like what I'm what I'm getting is like for most of my life like it's been it's been wasted like has it been wasted and it's like oh oh damn this is really closing in on me now it's like Actually, I'm got, I've got I've got all these spices, all this money, like, oh man, we've put all this money, we've put in this effort, and it was nothing. It achieved nothing, because the body's already, he's already gone. He's left the tomb. And they're going to the tomb to to do this, to wrap him up, do the final burial of his death, and it's like, no, 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 he's alive. And then the two angels come and say, "He's. what are you doing here? And they're found out, and then we get found out. And I just, I, I don't know, I just feel like that's what you guys are saying, hey, we've we're getting found out, we're, we're like Mary and we're like Joanna with their, you know, their sincere heart and it's like we're walking towards the tomb, you know, oh, it's horrible. And it's like, he already said that he would be alive. What? Did you not hear? And he, and he even tells them before and it's like, I don't know, that's just what I'm getting eh? so, yeah.
3: So what did they need? <laughs> <laughs> so the key is they didn't hear. And when you don't hear, you continue doing stuff you've always done, getting the same result. But you pat yourself on the back Because it's called a form of godliness And it looks good Just doesn't bring you into the life And so God by his divine love for you Sends you angelic realms Isn't that so cool? Is that he doesn't want to leave you in that state So he sends you a couple of his agents And they turn up and say What are you doing here? And then they don't even Well they heard that Then they ran off and told their mates And their mates didn't believe Called the apostles They willfully chose to disbelieve The first work of God is to But not in your head In your heart Which requires someone to turn up called the And implant it in there So then you stop hearing the same thing over and over Asking when are we going to get past this stuff If you've said that when is Simnor going to get past This bride He's not <laughs> Sorry News flash He's not Because it's the end picture And when you get it You'll go Oops What was I saying And then you'll become a nutter Who tells everyone about the bride <laughs> Join the club <laughs> A little club at the moment, but we're growing. <laughs> <laughs> we are looking for members.
0: <laughs> Did you know that this was not part of the recruitment drive? Is why you're here tonight.
2: <laughs> Thanks for bringing your CV. Uh, and yeah. Ready to sign up? It'll only cost you your life. <laughs> you know the, the and your money. <laughs> the crazy thing, the crazy thing is that you know it's showing w- what the lack was like. They hadn't heard. I mean, it's time when he said, oh, I'm I'm going in there and, yeah, they're going to kill me. You're going, oh. That completely missed it. And what, was I not speaking plain English for you to understand what I just said? No, because it's not English. It's It's a word of the spirit to be received. And the sad, you know the sad reality is? That what you described happening still happens. And because people cannot grasp the need to lose self, they will put all those ointments and what have you on, a, on something that's not even there and say there's a body there. They'll build a religious regime around it. And when you see, you see, what are you doing? I'm fully convinced because they can't and won't let go of self. I mean, you know, talk about Lazarus. I mean, what, when he, they say that Jesus had to say Lazarus come out because if he just said come out, all the dead would have come out. You know?
4: <laughs>
2: you know? And so Lazarus comes out. Oh, what are the Pharisees going to do? He's been raised from the dead. Let's kill him. What did he do? He just raised from the dead. This are totally blind to what's actually happening. But it, we, so am I. Until that place of brokenness to actually say, Lord, I need, I need you.
3: Do you know, religious works are the justification of not dying. King David said, God doesn't want my works before he has my contrite heart. And one of the things that we do in the body is we don't want to die. So we say, I'll negotiate with you, God. I'll do all these works so I don't have to die. And God's going, I don't need you to do works. Were you there when I created the whole thing? Uh, Ah. Well, technically I was in you, so maybe I was there. And we try to justify it away through the scriptures. He goes, come on. No, you weren't. So I don't need you to do works. I didn't create you for work. so stop justifying your way out of crucifixion through serving me and singing for me and being on the door and giving me money and going to Cambodia and doing all these stuff because I'm not interested in that unless all the works are done by faith and because you're not in faith, you're still in yourself all the works you're doing are fleshly and they're all getting burnt up anyway so can we put this to bed once and for all and just get on the altar do you know my mercy? oh you don't know my mercy Can I show you my mercy? Because it's very hard to get on the altar unless I show you my mercy. In view of God's mercy, offer your body as a... A what? (laughs) A living sacrifice. That's a problem, isn't it? So He wants to kill the living sacrifice. Cows and animals never get off the sacrifice table, did they? What do you think that's symbolic of? So in view of God's mercy... Lay your body down So I can go to work I'm the builder of the house I'm the builder of the entire thing Nothing comes into being unless I do it Apart from me, you can do nothing So why do you keep trying? Because you don't want to die And so you're actually becoming a stumbling block to yourself Why do you keep a stumbling block to yourself? Do you know you're hurting yourself? Do you know you're sabotaging your own walk? Because we think dying is loss. Because the mind isn't yet renewed. Because I'm not on the table. Tracking? reckon? Because if you have the mind, you know dying's life. You know to lose your life is to gain something greater than what you got. And so there's the holy wrestle, isn't it? Because you don't have faith yet Because you can't see Your mind hasn't been renewed So what do you actually have to do? You have to stop And you're standing on the what? <clears throat> what do you have to do? You have to jump And then it begins with T In what he <laughs> No Yes, you have to trust in what he says. Oh my goodness, I didn't sink. No, because I'm here, out on the water, and I've called you out. And you walk. And then I didn't sink. No, that's right. So now grab my hand and let's walk together. And let me lead you now in faith so you can see what I see, so you don't know i need to trust because you're a man or woman of faith. I got crucified. I no longer live. And the life I now live, I live by. In.
0: That's massive, eh? You know, and it, as a sharing group, you know, it reminds me of Hebrews. When he, I think the title is A New and Living Way, you know. And he talks about how that, you know, the, the blood of bulls and rams were never able to take away sin you know and so he's created this new and living way through the veil and it says that the blood of Christ would cleanse the conscience from dead works so that we can serve the living God eh? you know and to me it's like that these are these two operating systems again you know one that's constantly trying but is void of eternal life, always trying to justify itself. And the other one, this new and living way, you know, where the conscience is cleansed from needing to perform and to, and to try having lost life and received him. Eh, you know? and so it's, it's awesome. Cool. All right. You know, pray for us, mate, and then we'll finish up.
3: Father, we thank you for tonight. I really want to thank you for tonight, and I want to thank you for the rawness, the honesty, the vulnerability, Lord, because all that's required if we're truly going to enter into life. I thank you that there is love here in this family to cover while you uncover and while you dress us. I thank you that we can handle this And together we can move forward without any judgmentalism, self-righteous judgmentalism. But we pray and we encourage one another because none of us have arrived. And we are all here by a work of divine grace and continue to be a people of divine grace. Knowing that if you remove that, we are all in trouble. And so, Lord, it's not based on us, but on you. And I thank you it's based on you and not us. And so, Lord, I thank you we all belong. I pray that we would receive revelation so we believe and then our behavior would just align itself to belonging and believing. We wouldn't have to try. And if we're struggling tonight and if we find we're stuck, help us. Help us to turn. Give us the motivation if we don't even want to turn. Lord, that's how profoundly evil we are at times. So help us, but you love us in this state. And before we even knew you, you loved us. And so we say yes to your words. We may not yet believe it the way we're supposed to, but we say yes to it. And so help us in our unbelief, as the man said. Help us to believe. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you as the teacher as our guide, as our counsellor, as our healer. And I pray, Lord, tonight and tomorrow and this week, we would turn and be found at your feet, crying out from a place of supplication, Lord, that you would come and do a deep work in our hearts to release us from ourselves. We ask this in the name of our Messiah, our Saviour, our Lover, Jesus. Amen. Awesome, guys.